Welcome to the Zen of Everything, a Zen take on life, love, laughter, and everything else. With Jundo Cohen, a real Zen master. That's me. And Kirk McElhern, that's me, a guy who knows a bit about Zen. Good evening, Jundo. How are you today? Uh, not bad for a man my age. How are you? Oh, my back hurts. I was sitting before we started, and it's often very painful for me when I meditate. Um, can you help me with this? Oh, boy, I've been there. Everybody's been there. But is it something you get all the time or just once in a while? No, it's been a long time. I can't even sit on a cushion anymore because it hurts my knees so much. So I have a, a kind of a stool, um, and that way I can sit with my, how could I say, with my buttocks a bit higher. So my thighs aren't parallel, right? So my yeah. thighs are pointing slightly down, and then the part of the weight is on my feet and part is, is on my sitting bones. Um, yeah. And I can sit there for a while, but sometimes it's just the position is uncomfortable. Well, it's like the old joke about the guy goes to the doctor and he says, Doc, it hurts when I do this. And the doctor says, well, don't, don't do, do that. that. Yeah. Right. So in Japan, there's always uh, a traditional, how to say, approach that one size fits all. And the lotus posture is the way to go. And people bend themselves into all kinds of pretzels in order to, to get into the lotus posture. And a lot of Zen people end up with bad knees and, and bad backs. I heard today that Okamura Roshi, the great Roshi sits on a chair now. Uh, really? Because he's no spring chicken. Right. So Yet a lot of uh, Zen teachers don't want people to sit on chairs. I, I know you have nothing against it, but a lot of Zen teachers say that that's just, that's heresy. Yeah, I, I, don't, uh, I don't buy it. The, the lotus posture is supposed to be very stable and comfortable if you can do it. It's a position of yoga. And if you are flexible enough and your, your legs are thin enough and you're able to do it, uh, it's very uh, balanced and a supporting way to sit. But what you should basically do is find the position or positions right for you. And it can change as you get older. It can change according to the day. The weather outside, sometimes your back acts up, you can't sit the same way. So you need to know your body, and you need to experiment with your body. And my rule of thumb is this. If you sit in a way that feels stable and balanced enough and comfortable enough that you can basically forget about it, and you can sit that way for 20 or 30 minutes, then it's a good posture. Yeah, But the thing is that, uh, you know, there are people out there that always have chronic pain, and I want to talk about them today. No matter yeah. what they do, they cannot find uh, a perfectly comfortable way to sit. And that's a different story. Yeah. Well, just before we get to chronic pain, um, as you say, I think everyone who's meditated has had this kind of pain at one point or another, whether it's the knees, the back, whatever. But some meditation teachers seem to think that you just have to 
you just have to go with the pain and feel the pain and suffer the pain as if the pain can go away. And in some cases it can, it could just be your body's not used to it. But in other cases, people can actually get hurt by going too far with pain like that. Well, the middle way on this, first off, there are some things you can do, like some yoga stretches to loosen the muscles, to make yourself more flexible. People give up too easily without really trying to stretch and get into these positions. So don't give up too easily, but don't hurt yourself. But at the same time, you know, a little pain is not a bad thing because there's a lesson in sitting that we sit with the pain because life is sometimes painful. And we learn that it's not always feeling the way we want. So if you can sit with what is, and that's important in the, the kind of zazen meditation we do, accepting what is, accept it when it feels good and accept it when it feels not so good, just accept it. It's an important lesson. So a little pain is actually a good thing, but it's not masochism. And no. it's not the more pain you feel, the better. It's not like that at all. So generally, you should not feel excess pain. Yeah. In my case, I have arthritis. And if I were to sit in a bad position for too long, I would be in pain for a very long time. Well, that's like the old Jewish uh, Zen joke, you know? Arthritis is the koan that teaches you that you are alive. <laughs> okay. If you want to look at it that way, is that something you got up in the Catskills? Yeah, uh, there, there's a whole book called, the, I, I think, Jewish Zen, and it has all kinds of sayings like this. Oh, yeah. I've never seen that. I'll have to look for that. Yeah. Who's, okay, so... Whose aching knees are these anyway? Yes. Okay, so going from the sort of occasional pain to chronic pain, this is a totally different thing. Um, totally different. I actually had chronic back pain for about a year, which fortunately resolved. Um, I had a compressed nerve, and it was really something. And I know that people who have this permanently for all their life, it's it's really hard to deal with. Yeah. Now, I'm not going to claim to be the great expert on this because I have learned from people who truly have chronic pain. I would not claim to have chronic pain, though I have gone through times of pain, uh, for example, after an operation I had that went on for many months. Uh, but we have people who just cannot get away from serious, serious pain. <clears throat> and here's the, the lessons I've learned from them. Do whatever it takes. If it's uh, sitting in the traditional way, fine. If it's working with a mantra to distract yourself from the pain, good. If it's deep breathing exercises because it makes you feel better, fine. If it's going into some deep, deep uh, trance state to really take you away, that's what I did when I had my operation. I would go very, very deep, and somehow the pain uh, was there, but uh, almost pleasant in a way. Uh, if you need to do that, do whatever it takes. Plus, uh, there's nothing about Zen that means you can't talk to pain specialists and your doctor, do whatever they recommend. You don't have to tough it out uh, if your doctor is, is saying there are other means. But you can use meditation, other practices. Another beautiful practice 
be other directed. Uh, sometimes we get people with pain and very much into their suffering and their uh, oh, their life has become terrible and how unfortunate they are. And if they can turn outward to help others, somehow it distracts them from their own pain. So again, uh, working with a mantra, what's a mantra? Does it have to be some cosmic saying that a guru gives you? No. You take a phrase, anything that resonates from with you. It could be a line from a song, a poem, just a word that seems beautiful to your heart, and repeat it, and repeat it, and repeat it. It's hypnotic. You pour yourself into it. It takes you away from the pain. It's an excellent practice. Do you know the six-syllable mantra that people say at the beginning of a meditation retreat? No. What is it? What am I doing here? What am I doing here? What am I doing here? <laughs> <laughs> and at the end of the retreat, they say, ah, that's what I don't I'm want doing to go here. home. I don't want to go home. I don't want to go home. <laughs> yeah. Well, another thing is you don't necessarily have to sit, right? I mean, there are the Buddha is often depicted right. lying on his side in what looks to be an uncomfortable posture. Um, with one hand holding the head up. Yeah, you and don't you have, have to do that Back either. or neck pain, that's not a good idea. But you can lie on your back. And so I've been studying the Alexander technique um, for pretty much about as long as I've been meditating. And I'll just put a link in the show notes to, to explain it. it. It helps you use your body better. And one of the practices in the Alexander technique is a lying down thing where you lie on the floor with a couple of books under your head. And you put your you pull your legs up so your feet are flat and your knees are pointing up, and then you put your hands across your abdomen. And this is a wonderful position, especially the bit with the books under your head, because if you've done yoga, you may do these asanas where you're lying down, but your head is flat on the ground, and that kind of bends your neck back. And so if you find the right thickness of books to keep your neck straight, I find it very easy to get into a meditative state. Well, I'm not going to lie. When I was in deep pain, I just got into the fetal position and stuck my thumb in my mouth, <laughs> and uh, it worked so pretty good. You know, don't be embarrassed about having pain. If you need to moan, moan. You know, if you need to say four-letter words, like, you know, because you it feels yeah. bad, it's okay. People, for some reason, think that they have to somehow get past this. If you're feeling pain, honor the fact you feel pain. And uh, so if you're, you know, if you're feeling uh, frustrated with it, it's okay. It's just human to feel that way. Now, there, there is a, a part of the practice that we do that I encourage people to do every day when they have pain. That is a little special. Ask me what that is. Tell me about this practice, Jundo. Well, it's the same thing I talk about here all the time. Shikantaza, the kind of zazen we do. No matter how bad it is, and I mean no matter how bad it is, no matter what life has handed you, for a few minutes a day, even if it's psychologically tough, sit and radically accept it with equanimity. Even try to how to uh, pretend, if you need to, that you welcome this. Just sit with what is. If life has really handed you uh, lemons, you know, the old saying, make lemonade. That's not what I'm talking about. If it's yeah. bitter, accept the bitterness. If you have pain and a disappointment uh, with that fact, the frustration, sit and accept it. 
so much of having something like pain is not just the pain that we add on top of it, the fact that we don't want to have it, we don't like it, and we resist it. Now, I cannot take away your pain, but I can do a little as a Zen teacher to help you take away the resistance and the negative thinking about it. And that just compounds the pain. Yeah, that that period when I had this compressed nerve in my spine, there were times when the pain, I had never felt anything as painful, but sometimes I felt that if I, just lying in bed, if I could breathe into it and breathe it out and just accept it, it kind of moved it away onto a slightly different plane. It was still there, but it wasn't, it wasn't acting against me. And, And I kind of felt at the time that part of the pain was my trying to push the pain away, even though when I stopped doing that, there was still a pain, but the pain had a different flavor. Yes. You can learn to see the pain as kind of an object you're holding in your hand as as if it is a little separate from it. And it, it does become smaller if you remove all the surrounding thinking about the pain. Like, oh, what my life would be if I didn't have this pain. Or, oh, how I wish I didn't have this pain. That is something you're adding onto the pain that you do have a little control over. I can't, again, I'm, I wish I could take away everybody's pain. And, and everyone's pain is different, too. As you talked about pain, pain from an operation, different. with me it was pain in the back. With other people, chronic pain in other areas, it's all different. Um, yeah. And so the, I don't think either of us want to minimize the pain that anyone has, but no. it's true that we can do a little bit to attenuate it. Plus, good drugs. I mean, without getting into opiates that are addictive, there are other good drugs. Follow your doctor's order. order. Yes, of course. We're not Uh, going to make a prescription. I'm not going to say to people, take drugs if just uh, on their own. If a doctor recommends it, do it. There's no embarrassment. I've known Zen teachers who who suffered with chronic pain and other physical conditions. And they had to, you know, as they practiced meditation all their life, but there came a time they had to do more. When someone became very sick, I know with cancer, he he got the morphine. He didn't try to to tough it out. Uh, It's no shame in that. Uh, They say that the Buddha, when he was very old, I spoke about this before, he was very old. Uh, He suffered from all kinds of ailments. And he said at one point, I have to go into a very, very deep meditation to get away from this. It's in the Paranirvana Sutra. He says, I'm like an old cart tied together with leather. He's had stomach troubles and back troubles. And he said, I have to go a very, very deep place because they did not have medication and, and modern pain control in those days. Now we're doing better. It's not perfect, but we're doing much better. Take advantage of it. Uh, there's no shame in it. But, you know, I've had people, <clears throat> when I've said that, you know, I recommend sitting with equanimity about pain. I've had people get mad at me for that. I have to be honest about it. People don't sometimes with pain don't want to be told that they should accept it. Well, okay, having known some people with chronic pain, uh, one of the big problems is that even doctors try to slough them off because they don't know how to help them. And it for many people, it can become a struggle to get a medical solution. And 
how, how to say, it, it's almost a self-fulfilling thing because they can't get help and it gets worse and they try to get more help and it gets worse. And it's only in recent years that they've come up with alternatives, um, alternative medications to things like opiates that work for some people's chronic pain. But chronic pain is a very tricky thing because they don't, the, the scientists, they don't know how pain works, to be honest. Well, I heard a podcast. I, by the way, I'm not an expert on this. I'm a guy who, with a podcast, who listens to other podcasts. So that's yes. where I get my information. The podcast, uh, which I'll try to find, or you can link to it on the show, was about uh, young folks who are suffering from very much chronic pain. And they fell into uh, a kind of syndrome that has been shown since the 1950s and 60s of doctors trying to alleviate pain so much that it kind of victimizes people with pain because the doctor is always trying to take the pain away. I think that's what you yeah, were speaking of. That's kind of, So yeah. what they do, they send these young people to a camp where they take away a lot of the, how to say, the easy, easy road. And they make these people do physical exercise and swim in the pool and uh, do uh, put themselves in, in rather painful positions where at first it's very painful for them. And soon they find that the brain uh, adapts to it. And at the end of the program, they still have pain, but somehow the brain has made it smaller. When they were trying yeah. to cure the pain, the pain was actually becoming bigger because it was an obsession. And right. when they just toughed it out. So there's a theory that people in the 16th century or even the 19th century did not feel pain the same way. Because if you had a toothache, there was no dentist. Yeah. If you had a, an ache in your stomach, you just had to live with it. And you still had to run your farm. So people somehow did not react to pain the same way they do in modern times. So maybe we've, uh, how to say, we've made things too cushy for ourselves. Maybe. Mm. As I said, I'm not an expert. I'm just yeah. a guy who heard you this just on a podcast. You listened to a podcast. Yeah. Yes. I saw it on the internet, he says. Yeah. Um, it, it's worth noting that but when my father, I remember when he his back would hurt, he would lie in bed and try and not to move. But now that's the last thing they tell you to do when you hurt your back, especially your lower back. You have to move without exaggerating, but you have to move to keep your body moving so it doesn't freeze up because a lot of those muscular things can cause the body to freeze and kind of block the pain. And again, I'm well, not an expert either. I just have pain and talk to doctors occasionally. I think I've spoken about the greatest Zen master I know, which was my grandmother. Have I spoken about her before? No. The Jewish Christian so. scientist? Oh, yes. Okay. Yes. She, she was in a wheelchair. She, the doctor said she'll never walk again. And she said, I am going to overcome this with my mind. So she discovered the, she wasn't into the religious aspects of Christianity, of, a, of a Christian science, but she liked the mind over matter part. And she got up every morning without knees, and she went for about a two-mile walk. And the doctor said, you're not, you're not physically supposed to be able to do that. And she did it. Uh, she, my father, too. That generation was able to tough out things that right now send us, you know, little wimps like me we go crying yeah uh, 
This said, I, I think we have to be fair that we're not minimizing serious chronic pain because it does exist. No. Um, no, you, you know, the famous phantom limb syndrome where uh, I think they started notice, noticing this in the Civil War where people would get their limbs amputated and they would still feel them, but they would feel pain where the limbs used to be. And yes. I guess there are some people who will say that that's a psychological reaction to missing the limb, but there's no denying that the pain is real. And uh, again, I've uh, my my pain is not truly chronic pain, but I've read a bit about this and scientists really don't understand how it happens. But one thing they do say is that the brain itself alters in the face of chronic pain. I, I think that uh, we have a long uh, way to go in our study. And I, I want to underline what you just said. Nothing we're saying here should minimize what people with chronic pain are going through. And uh, some of the people I know with chronic pain who, who manage to live with it every day are some of the strongest, toughest people I know. Uh, it's uh, uh, really, you should learn from them about how to deal with uh, chronic pain because, uh, and everyone's different yeah. uh, about what they do. Uh, I'm just going to say that uh, always have hope we spoke about that in the past. But if, the, if you need to have a condition that you cannot change, it is vitally important that a part of you accept. Part of you. And it's okay to accept even the part that you don't accept it at all. One of the things you can do in Zen is, and this, people miss this point. They think they have to be accepting. No. You can resist it and hate it, and even accept that you resist and hate it. That's okay. Don't expect so yourself to be So it's not machine. saying that accepting means that you like something. Accepting means no. just literally that you accept that it exists and that maybe you can't change it. Right. Accept that you can't change it. Maybe some days you actually somehow like it. But even if you're absolutely miserable, don't compound yourself by feeling miserable about being miserable, about the pain. Accept that you feel miserable about the pain. You're human. Why not? So we talked recently about walking and walking meditation, and that's a good way to meditate if you can't sit, um, particularly sitting in a full lotus. Is there any tradition of standing meditation in Zen? I've read that in Taoism that this was a practice that was used, and I think in Qigong it still is. Well, in, uh, of course, in Indian yoga, there are many standing positions, and I don't think there's a particular rule against it. I knew a fellow who had a motorcycle accident and could sit, and we would all be sitting zazen, and he would stand uh, and walk a bit uh, when he had to. There, nobody minded. We all understood his situation. We uh, recently had uh, a Zazen meeting in our uh, community in which we had everybody sit or recline. I mean, I should say everyone who usually sits, everybody reclined, even with health, without health conditions, in support of people who need to. Yeah. And I encourage many communities to do this. If you have one person who needs to stand or recline and everyone else is sitting, that person may feel like the odd man out. To make these people feel welcome, once in a while, have a, 
or not a, a sitting where everybody reclines or everybody yeah. has to stand to support these people. I, I, yeah. I, as far as I know, we're the only community that's done that. And I just encourage other communities to give it a try. That's an interesting idea. I find that sometimes I have a, you can't see it behind me. I don't think I have a comfy chair or a leather chair. It's not like an American recliner, but I find sometimes it's sitting in there where you're letting your back go against the chair instead of having your back upright when you're on a cushion um, can be such a relief to not yeah. have to try to force yourself into that frozen position. And, you know, I think that's one of the things also that causes pain in meditation. Too many people try to freeze, whereas that meditation position should be dynamic. Every yes. time you breathe in and breathe out, your entire body's moving, you're swaying a little bit back and forth, and you shouldn't freeze yourself. You should, you should be like a bamboo in a wind, kind of, right? Yes, and aligned with gravity and... If your body feels good and uh, not too much stress, not too much pressure on the back, uh, it's, a, it's a good way to sit. And I recommend a, another thing to people, be, between a chair and the lotus posture, they should try the seiza bench too. Yeah. Uh, Japanese seiza is a different thing. Japanese seiza is a very painful position that Japanese people do where they sit directly on the heels. But in yeah. the West... Uh, people use these little wooden benches that uh, support uh, the buttocks. And um, it's very comfortable for many people. And it takes a lot of the pressure off the, the back and knees. So uh, I like it better than a chair myself. So if I was not doing the Lotus, I would say try a Seiza bench. Okay. Um, with that in mind, where do we go next, Roshi? Oh, to the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> No, we're okay. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe in iTunes or in your favorite podcast app. Please give us a rating. Tell your friends. You can check out past episodes at our website, zen-of-everything.com. And if you want Jundo to answer your questions, send us an email at podcast at zen-of-everything.com. Thanks for listening.